Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, the spirit of God prompted me. Of course, there was a war in my heart concerning the things that I'm going to share, not because they're hard, not because I don't want to share them, but sometimes the magnitude of the message carries a certain weight to your soul. And uh, that responsibility sometimes becomes so heavy. Not that you cannot do it, but it comes so heavy. When Jesus said, if it be possible, take this cup off me. Did I mean that he was not going to die for the sins of the world or that he had not understood the magnitude of the mandate but sometimes certain things are so hard to share because of the weight that they come with but yet they are very important praise the Lord Jesus Christ it begins with a conversation I believe many of us have in our hearts question that stays lingering in every child of God that has understood the importance of not only being born again, but fulfilling your God-given purpose. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that he wills that all men be saved, comma, and that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. Are you following what I'm saying? One, he wants you saved. When you are saved after, he wants you to get to the knowledge of the truth. In the knowledge of the truth, right there, is a preparation, divine preparation, for you to serve the purpose for which God has created you to be. In some of us, he chose us to be pastors or ministers in this way and some he chose worshippers and some he chose evangelists some he chose business people to fund the kingdom some he chose whichever way the Lord has you know decided in his heart to use you and then a bigger question comes in your heart what if I want more than I have seen what if I want more than I have heard what if I want more than I have tested how far can this thing or reality of purpose be stretched? When the Bible says that men shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased in the last days. Knowledge shall be increased. What's the meaning of knowledge shall be increased? That means that there are things that the heavens are releasing now that they could not release 
four or five hundred years ago. They couldn't because it was not yet time. The Bible speaks of mysteries that were hidden afore before the world was formed for your glory, the Bible says, for your glory. It's a hidden wisdom. In Revelations 2, it's called the hidden manna. If you read in the Old Testament, manna was not hidden. The dew fell and the manna came. and They all ate of that bread. And even though it fell from heaven, Jesus says, that bread that was given you was not falling from heaven. It was another realm from which it came. But I am the bread of heaven. And any man that eateth of me, Jesus says, he shall not thirst or hunger anymore. Because the bread that I give, Jesus said, it is life. It's very important. Very, very important to understand the mystery of the overflow. How we walk or live, function in the overflow. It's a very important thing. Somebody shout hallelujah. But then in our hearts, we always think there has got to be more. There's got to be more. And every time you go into that kind of question, you're pushing yourself into the process from cold to chosen. It's a very beautiful mystery to understand. The Bible says, for many are cold, but few are chosen. Many are cold, but few are chosen. Many are cold pastors, but few are chosen. And they pastors which are cold, they are pastors which are cold. But what do we mean by chosen? They are given distinctive assignments in the kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? So he says, many are called, but few are chosen. But until that question starts lingering in your spirit of God, if there is more, that's where I want to go. If there is more, that's what I yearn for. If there is more, that is what I want. Then you are not yet there. Fundamentally, if you have had that question in your spirit, God is inviting you to the realm or the place of the chosen, beyond the called. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. So fundamentally, we ask ourselves the question, why are few chosen? Is it entirely on God's decision that I'm going to choose a few? No, it is not so. This is the answer. That not many are ready to walk through the process into the place of the chosen. And why are such someone's hard to preach? Because of the word few. Because of that word called few. And I don't know how many people will understand what I'm saying, but I have prayed to God that he might give me the utterance and give you the grace to receive this thing. Because if you get it, God is going to prove to you that he's no respecter of persons. To Peter, it came as a perception. It came as a divine vision. He says, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And in every nation or city or place, any man who fears him and walketh righteousness, the Bible says he's accepted with him. You have always heard me, for those of you who have been with me for years, you have always heard me make a sentence that there is a place for available men. I say that there is a place for available people. 
how much available and committed you are to the work of God. There's always a space for you to provide for what God wants to do in the earth. Let me tell you something. Every time God wants to do a special work in every generation, he will look for a man. He will look for a woman. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all called teachers. But I'm looking for one. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were all called to be pastors. But I'm looking for one. Well, these all were called to be prophets. But in that generation, this particular generation, God says, I will look for one or two specific individuals that I would entrust with this assignment, with this mandate. In every generation, I've realized that there are no exclusivities in the calling, but there are exclusivities in the chosen. Few. The word is few. And not many people are bold enough or have a very clear vision to apply themselves to the way of the Spirit for God to work a process in them to get there. Many people stay in the cold. And there are provisions that come with the cold. There's a glory that comes with being called by God. There's a protection that comes with being called by God. There's a preservation that comes with being called with God. But also, there's a glory of the chosen. There's a preservation of the chosen. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. You remember the portion of scripture that says that I sought for a man that should stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy. And the Bible says, and I found none. This was God seeking. This was not men seeking for a place. This was God seeking. I have always told you that there is a place that you cannot seek. There are glories in the spirit that were only meant to find you. All you need to do is to learn the mystery of positioning. To know how to position yourself in the spirit. Because if you do not know that reality, you frustrate the grace that should invite you into the higher calling of the things of the spirit. Paul says, unto whom I'm least of all saints was given unto me this grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He called them unsearchable riches of Christ. These are not in the realm of the searchable. They have to find you. But they have to find you positioned in a certain place. If you learn the mystery of being positioned right, certain things have to find you. Because even though it's a place of application of the self through certain patterns and principles of the spirit, it comes on they which have learned to rest. Because positioning has a lot to do with the rest of the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because it's important for that heart to be established first in grace and not in meats as others indulge, wherein the Bible says they have not been profited. Are you following what I'm saying? So am I against seeking? No. I'm a seeker. I always tell people that I'm a seeker because there are things that only come by seeking. But there are things that will never come by seeking. They will come by positioning. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Shout glory to God. So he says, I sought for a man that should stand in the gap. And I found none. I wanted to save the land, but I found none. That work of God seeking through across the world still takes place today in every dispensation. And such exclusive works or mandates or assignments of the Spirit only are gotten by men which are available. Isaiah is in the Spirit moving and then he finds God, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit having a conversation and in the end they say, whom shall we send? And the scriptures say, Isaiah just came in and said, send me, Lord. They were looking for somebody to send as though there were no prophets on the earth. There were prophets on the earth. There were men of God on the earth. But this was not for the generic commissioning. This was for an exclusive work, a distinctive mark. And Isaiah availed himself. And I know that God allowed us to read this portion of scripture because he wanted to show us that not all mandates are given the same way. Some mandates or assignments are more distinct or exclusive than others. They require more than others. And beyond the seeker, we have the positioned. You must learn how to position yourself. In 2 Chronicles 16 verses 9, I'll give you an example. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro through all the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. They are searching and here he was speaking to the king. He's telling him and because you have not dealt with this wisely, you shall have war for the rest of your life because you did not deal with this wisely. You dealt with this foolishly. He's telling a man here that I was looking. I was looking. I'm always looking. And you should have been wiser to understand and position yourself because it's almost as though you had a chance here. But you dealt with this foolishly. And he says, and henceforth you shall have wars. Some of the wars disturbing some people in the world. It's not necessarily that you know, the devil is trying to do this or the devil is trying to do that. They've positioned themselves in a place of attracting so much war. Many things are opposed against them because they refuse the way of the Lord. Even when prevenient grace came to them and invited them to certain places where some people have prayed for years to be invited but have failed to get to it. Again, I don't know how the work of grace is. I mean, why would God get to a man like Solomon? and find him in a sleep and want to do a covenant with him in sleep. Are you following what I'm saying? To whom much is given. Can I continue? So the eyes of the Lord look to and fro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are many pastors in the world. When God wants to do something different, he looks for a certain man. He looks for a certain man. And then the eyes of the Lord start moving. Where is the heart that I can use? 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 And that's when he searched for a man to stand in the gap. The Bible says, and he found none. The heart of God was crushed. 
and purpose was slowed. Divine purpose was frustrated because God could not find a certain man. Are you following what I'm saying? These kind of things belong to the chosen, not the called. Perhaps he's looking for a Christian to teach the world how to make wealth. And he says, but there's a heart I'm looking for. I'm not just going to get a kid and put an anointing on him. I'm going to look for a certain heart that I know, regardless of how much wealth is given this particular heart, I know that they will deal with it wisely. So the eyes of the Lord start looking. Are you following what I'm saying? There's that which you are born with, but there's also that which finds you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Not all who are born with were found. I said not all who are born with were found because it's possible to frustrate the way of God in your life. Moses was called to take the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh to the promised land. He fulfilled half of that assignment and he did not go into the promised land. Was it the will of God for Moses not to go into the promised land? No, it wasn't. But he frustrated the way of God through anger. He smites a rock that he was supposed to speak to. And God says, okay, I'm a God that has second and third plans. Joshua is available. I'll improvise. And then he put the guy there. And then the work of God continued. I always tell people that my greatest fear, and I have always prayed, and I always pray for this, and I say, God, help me to always stay attuned to what you are up to. And break my heart to be available when you look for a man to use. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because if you never have a hunger to do more than what you see, to do more than what you read, to do more than what you hear, these things that I'm speaking, they don't concern you. Because what are you looking for in life? You're just looking for a job. What are you looking for in life? If I can get a promotion, if I can get a car, if I can marry a good husband, you know, very beautiful girl. And I get some children. You know, there are people who are like that. They're in that realm. They're comfortable just having what the rest of the world has. And then you have that kind of spirit consuming an individual that they even start to feel strange when they don't fit into a certain mediocre or predictable category of people. Have you found Christians who just want to, you understand, if there's poverty, they want to be among the poor. They want to fit in in the pool. Do you understand what I'm saying? One wise man said, if you struggle to fit in, if you always find yourself trying to fit in, perhaps you are called to stand out <laughs> and you're fighting for a less place. And I've seen Christians who are like that. You're fighting so hard to gain the favor of people who don't even belong in the rank where God has called you. Hey! trying to fit in and then you disqualify yourself from God's best and then you plead you plead please don't leave me Timothy I swear I'll be better <laughs> you're just trying to fit in marriage and then Timothy goes and then you go to a pastor I think I have a demon spirit there's a spirit when they come they go no there's nothing wrong with you 
You're just trying to fit in. The day the right one comes. Hey! That's when you're like, what was on my head? What was I thinking? What demon? Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> Glory! Somebody shout hallelujah. It's okay to be divergent. Hallelujah. And this I learned long ago. In fact, me since I was a child, I was always divergent. I never wanted to look like anyone. If I see somebody putting on some jeans, I don't want to put them on. Ah! But you know, there are people, they see a jean, and then they run to buy it. <laughs> you like looking like others. You are fearfully and wonderfully mad. Enjoy being different. Be you. It's okay. Define your light from there and allow God to beautify your story. And then you'll be amazed at how you attract people who admire what you are, the way you are. Somebody shout hallelujah. God can beautify anything. Why do you think we still have young men who are struggling with peer pressure? You know, my friend, when drinking, you know, let me go and try to drink. You know, it's a cool thing to drink because I think it's cool for them to drink. You know, you understand? Why are they like that? Because they want to fit in. I remember in my high school, when I went to university and these things started hitting me so hard, my father took me to one of those schools. I, then we had these crazy kids, crazy cool guys. You understand what I'm saying? They were putting on the last fashion, fubu, what? You understand those guys? Their parents, they have a mother in the UK and a brother somewhere in the United States and they come with the colognes and everything. They were just the cool kids, you understand? And for you, ho oh, oh. The best they can buy you is a deodorant. Survive. You know those plastic things that stick and you like, feel like somebody put... <laughs> so I remember those days, you know, the things start hitting me on my campus. And then I don't know what was on me. I said, let me try to look out my old bows and see what they're doing. So one time I tell, oh, hi, you guys, I want to check on you. Oh, come. So I meet these guys. And then they meet me tucking in. <laughs> like, Grace, <laughs> you're tucking in. Can you imagine? It was wrong to tuck in, to put your tuck in. It wasn't cool enough. Why? Because all them boys had their shirts out like that and t-shirts. So if you're tucking in, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember those days when you were just born again? You started looking strange. You go to church and you hold your Bible. Then you see your obi and you're like... <laughs> no, no, some of you are holy. So you won't get it. The younger generation can't understand it because your phones carry Bibles. In our day, it was a sin to carry a phone that had a Bible. I remember one time I was in church, one of those churches I went to attend. And then they said, open your Bibles. And then I opened my phone. And then there was this old woman, she was probably in her 50s. She told me, that is not our Bible. <laughs> and I said, see, this is the Bible. See, these are scriptures. She said, that is not our Bible. Blasphemy. I sit and <laughs> blasphemy. So in our days, you needed to hold a hard cover. When God is consecrating you, you stop fitting in. I don't know whether I have a witness. You stop fitting in. You sit down with the people you used to have conversations with. As you're talking, you see things are just not connecting. They're speaking things that don't make sense to you. 
they are laughing at things that are not fun and you're like, hmm, something's wrong with me. And if you do not know God, you just find yourself, ha, 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 it's plastic because you want to fit in. Hey, come out. If God is taking you somewhere, let him lead in every change. He abides faith. Now the same guys call me for prayers. <laughs> Some guys call me for prayers now. Musumba, man, send a prayer, brah. Send a prayer, brah. And I'm telling you, I'm praying for you, brah. I'm praying for you, brah. Now they attend for now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, it's okay not to fit in. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Back to the story. So we see God saying, I'm looking for somebody. Oh yes, I'm sending people to do this and that. But there is a place that I've consecrated. And I'm looking for a certain heart. And this is amazing. That is looking for a certain heart. Not a good orator. A certain heart. Not a wonderful degree. A certain heart. Not a master's in theology. Even though it's good to study theology. A certain heart. Not so and so's son. No. A certain heart. Somebody shout hallelujah. And now you look at the story of a man called David. Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. When Saul refused or failed to fulfill the work of God, as God had commanded in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13, the Bible says, Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. You remember the same thing? There was told a certain king in Chronicles. Because you have dealt with this foolishly, you shall have wars. The same word is given, exact sentence. Because Saul, you have done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now, he says, thy kingdom shall not continue. He says, the Lord has sought him a man after his heart. This is what happened. At one particular point, even when Saul was king, he messed up. And went off the way of the Lord. And the scriptures tell us, while he was still king, God started looking for another man. While he was still king, he is the God who will not even kill you. I have always told you, God does not need to take anything from you. He just raises another man who does and gives him more. And gives him bigger. And gives him greater. And then he lets you be. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we see a story of this fellow. He's still king. He has messed up. He's away from the way of the spirit. And God starts to look for another man. While this man is still king. He's looking for another man. He has already written him off. And Saul has no clue that he's written off. He says because you've done this foolishly. Now. I am looking for another man. And the Bible says he has sought himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord, the Bible says, has commanded him to be captain over his people because thou has not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So it's actually possible for God to dismiss a man and a man still stays in a position. God. Are you following what I'm saying? 
That's why I always pray and I say, God, let us stay tuned. Let us stay attuned to your will and purpose for our lives. That we might stay with the understanding and the humility to be corrected, to be aligned, to stay positioned. That when you need to use us, we are the available ones. Who has understood what I just said? One day, and this I speak sadly, as in prayer, and the Lord gave me an example of a man he had chosen on this continent. This man had availed himself. Remember, if you look at the story of Saul, Saul was a good man before. He was a humble man before. But somehow he went off the course when power came because nobody ever prepared him to handle power. And that's another lesson too. That's another lesson. That is expedient for heaven to give you instructions on how to handle certain graces and glories when they come. Because we've seen men which perish in their day of visitation. Has not the prophet Jeremiah called them works of error? They faint or are destroyed in their time of visitation. They perish. Why? Because when it comes, they did not have the right principles, the right establishments, the right preparations. They did not have the right understanding. Like I said, there's somebody who's just $10,000 away to death. If they get $10,000, they'll do something that will destroy them. If they get $100,000, they will do something that will destroy them. It is God's infinite mercy to let them be poor, to preserve them there. Somebody shout hallelujah. So this thing should not only come, but it should come with the grace to be able to handle it. That's what he's telling us with Saul, that he failed to handle this thing because his heart went another way. He dealt foolishly in the things of the Spirit. And the moment he did that, God started to look for another man. He started to look for another man. He started to look for another man. Ouch, but you're a grace preacher. Why are you preaching that? That's why I told you it was hard for me to teach this. Because that's where people who teach grace miss it. Why did Ananias and Sapphira die? Weren't they under grace? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Weren't they in the dispensation of grace? The man says, your money perish with it. And they fall dead. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Are you following what I'm saying? Grace is not the excuse for us to perform irresponsibly and apply ourselves in laxity concerning the things of the Spirit. Grace is a true laborer. Paul said, I labored more than all my brethren, yet not I, but the grace of God which labored in me abundantly. The grace of God labored in me abundantly. Grace comes to enable you labor. It's not the excuse of you living a compromised life, a relaxed life, you know, I don't need to pray, I'm under grace. I don't need to avail myself in the things of the Spirit, I'm under grace. I don't need to read the Bible. Oh, if I'm under grace, why should I study the Bible? Why should I just come and preach? Why do we even pray every day? 
You know, because we have also people who think that because you're under grace, you don't need to do anything. And it's okay if you don't do that. It's a wrong understanding. It's a wrong understanding. It's a misrepresentation of the heart of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Grace is to labor more abundantly than they owe when it's working in us. That's how you see a man under grace. They labor abundantly more than all. We apply ourselves. Why the Bible says somewhere that if these things be in you and abound, the Greek word there is an increase. He says, they shall neither make you barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will not be barren. You will not be unfruitful. We have many Christians in the world who are unfruitful. They are believers, but they are barren spiritually. The wombs of business are barren. The wombs of ministry are barren. The wombs of dreams and aspirations are barren. The wombs of prayer are barren. The wombs of vision are barren. Everything is barren. They are unfruitful. Nothing comes out of them. But they are believers. They are stuck. You can tell. If these things be in you and abound, stay increasing in you. Now, abounding means there's a present continuous work of God allowing yourself to be pumped with these realities every day. I'm talking about what you received last week and then you keep it and you think it's going to work next year. I'm talking about the constant charging of the self and giving yourself, meditating upon these things and studying them and relating with them and connecting to them wholly until you're profiting. The Bible says it's evident among all. That's what I'm talking about. The reason why some of us are dealing with barren spirits and fruitful experiences is that simple. That today you're on, tomorrow you're off. Today you're praying, tomorrow you're, you know, you have your days, you have a season where you're in service. Then you have that season, oh, what? Nathan spoke to you rudely. And then you stop praying for three months. So you find a person, why aren't you praying? Also, Nathan broke my heart. Oh, he did? Yes. And so then what happened? You know, I lost hope for everything, anything. I didn't want to pray. There's nothing I wanted to do. I was broken. Ah, okay. So you're just a Nathan heartbreak away. You know, some of you should understand that the devil understands you. You're just a Nathan what? Heartbreak away. If you're Nathan and you're here, I'm just using a name. I'm not talking about you, bruh. You understand what I'm saying? Anisha is not answering my calls. She's not answering my calls. But the guy has stayed in bed the whole evening. <laughs> some of you are lucky. Some of us are not God. <laughs> That's how I know God is gracious. How a guy won't pray because Anisha cannot answer his phone call. Why? Do you know what we've gone through? There are people here. They have been heartbroken. 20 times, but the dear girl comes with her bag anyway. She says, I still love God. There is more in God. Oh, paradigo, see calabar. And for you, talking about one heartbreak too. We have people who have a list. It's an encyclopedia. Of, and they still believe. The landlord is on their door, but they are praying. They don't even have dinner tonight, but they are in the presence. Some even walked here. They don't have transport, but they still believe God is looking for such people. 
Whether it rains, they pray. Whether the sun shines, they come. Why? Because they have understood that they're looking for more than money can buy. They have understood that they have to press on forward toward the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. They have understood that they cannot die normal men or normal women. Ladies and gentlemen, it takes a fool to continue doing the same thing and expecting different results. Shout glory! Now back to what I'm saying. God wrote off a man and he left him in the office and continued looking. And in Psalms 89 verses 19, as of the testimony given, the Bible says, Then thou spake in a vision to thy holy one and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty and I have exalted one chosen among or out of the people. I have exalted one. The language here is chosen among the people. Now the conversation of the chosen is here. Next verse. I have found David. No, he hasn't sought me and found me. This is not where you seek to find. This is where you assault because you're positioned. He says, I have found David. I have found. He was seeking. Saul has messed up. Let me start looking. Let me start looking. Let me start looking. And he says, I have found David. I have found David, my servant. And the Bible says, with my holy oil have I anointed him. So that means there's a degree of anointing that follows the chosen and it's different from the anointing in the realm of the cold. Who has understood what I just said? The first thing he will do to prove that you are chosen by him, he will put a special anointing on your life. But this sentence, the moment I read it, it hit me so hard. I have found. This was a God who out of the many, many, many weeks or days or months we cannot tell of seeking, of searching, of pain, frustration, trying to rebuild, remodel, and reconstruct the posterity of Israel. Eventually, he lands on the man and he says, this is the one I needed. This is the one I needed. This is the one I needed. To be found by him. To be found by him. That's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. You see? The perfect heart in Chronicles comes back. You see? He was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. Let's continue. He says, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. He says, with whom my hand shall be established. So the glory of establishment is in the realm of the chosen. My name also shall strengthen him. The enemy, the Bible says, shall not exert upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. There are things he cannot let consume you. The enemy will not exert upon him. He means that no matter how much he's pressed, the enemy will never frustrate him. There are things God can never let happen to a chosen vessel. Forget what you read in the newspapers. God protects his own jealously. Forget what you read on Facebook. God protects the anointed. 
Forget what you read on YouTube. God protects his anointed. He has a way. He cannot allow the enemy to exert his power over the chosen. Because it's a shame to heaven. It's a shame to heaven. The Bible says, The enemy shall not exert upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. He says, And I will beat down his force before his face and plague them that hate him. That's why I warn people and I tell them, be careful with chosen vessels. Be very careful. No matter how crazy they might look to you, if they're chosen, if you can tell that, be careful. You just need to hate them to be played. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's continue. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the river. He shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will also make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. I have found David. What a beautiful meditation to be said of you. For God to look for a woman for years and say, I'm looking for a certain woman. I'm looking for a certain woman. And one day heaven says it, I have found. For God to look for a certain man and look for them and look for them and look for them. And one day the heavens say, I have found my servant. What a beautiful thought. What a humbling experience to be found of him. Somebody shout amen. Psalm 78 verse 70 says, He chose David also his servant. Now again the word comes. He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfold. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. From feeding ewes, from feeding sheep, he brought him to feed the whole nation. And the Bible says he fed them according to the integrity of his word, heart, and guided by the skillfulness of his hands. As a man chosen by God. As a man chosen by God. And have you noticed that the Christ plans to come through the chosen? When God was looking for the right lineage, the right genealogy to come in the flesh, he sought for the chosen. The Lord said to my Lord, <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? He is the Lord, yet he has made him his Lord. How can David be the father of Jesus. Such humility. Such humility of God. Yet Jesus is the Lord of David. <laughs> the paradox. Are you following what I'm saying? So why does he choose to come through the chosen? Why not the called? Because you need that kind of spiritual womb to beget greatness. It never comes from only the cold. It comes through the chosen. 
And so I started to study David. I've always told you that for me, there are two men I have studied. On the exception of Jesus, our Lord, of course, who is above all, there are two men I've studied. Paul and David. I've studied those men. I have studied them. I have studied them for years. For many years. One time I asked God, what was the secret with David's heart? What was the secret with David's heart? What made him different? Why would you choose him when there was a man on the throne already that you could have dealt with and corrected and left the kingdom to continue? What was so special about David? So I took time to study. And the Spirit of the Lord told me it is how he understood and related with my presence. There are people who have been born again for maybe 15 or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years in the gospel. And they have seen many a thing in the presence of God. But they have never understood nor related with God to a certain place in God. I cannot explain this to you. I cannot explain this to you. I remember one day, <laughs> I was carried in a vision as the Lord was explaining these things. And he showed me, because I always tell people that sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I don't know what happens to some of you, but sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I tend to get visions, real-time visions. I've shared this for many years now. Sometimes I'm taken to the place to see the heart because when you're taken, when you're carried by the Spirit to see an event, you get to see the things that are not written sometimes. Because sometimes language is not enough to express it. And it's out of that that you actually connect to the spirit of revelation in such a deep way. Such a deep way. You're amazed at the details that you see when you're taken with your very own eyes. To see it, to have that experience. I've been there many times. That's why I tell people that the word must shift from just being this thing you apply to your intellect to interpret and connect the dots, cross the T's and dot the I's. No. The word has to get to a point where it would carry you through its own experiences. So the mind of God is revealed and that you'll carry a very clear picture and becomes a linchpin of your revelation. The mark, the foundation, the markstone from where which you see God. It's important to see God. Many people say that they have seen God, but I tell you, the day you see God is the day you're shocked that not many people have seen him. And that I speak with a lot of reservations with a fear of being misunderstood. But the day you see God is the day you realize that many people who assume they have seen him, they have not really seen him. No man sees God and they stay the same. No man, it's not there. Read history, read your Bible. 
What happened to Abraham when he encountered God? What happened to Isaac when he encountered God? What happened to Jacob when he encountered God? What happened to Ruth, Naomi, when they encountered Boaz, God, through him? What happened to Paul when he encountered God? What happened to Isaiah when he encountered God? What happened to Ezekiel when he encountered God? What happened to Moses when he encountered God? What happened to all the prophets that we have read, Haggai and Malachi? What happened to these men when they saw God? How can a man see God and stay normal? It's not possible. I mean, a clear vision of him, you can never stay the same. It's not possible. Many claim, oh, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. What do you mean you saw the Lord? If Satan can, no marvel, the Bible says, can transform himself as an angel of light. Do you know how many people have actually seen Satan in an angel of light form and they have concluded that they've seen God? No man can see God and not die. It's not possible. See, that's why he says, no man can see him. So he takes a sudden death to really behold God. Are you following what I'm saying? You can't see him and live. You die. You die. It's so hard to explain it to you. But then I read something when David is speaking in Psalms 84. I want you to hear this man's relationship. Just read Psalms 84, verses 1, the Amplified Version. This is a man testifying of how lovely the tabernacles of the Lord of hosts are. Verses 2, he says, My soul yearns, yes, even pines, and is homesick for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. Yes, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and God. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who dwell in your house, your presence. They will sing your praises all the day long. Sell a pause. Calmly think of that, he's saying. Don't just read it because it's a word passing by. Understand the feeling of the man writing. Why he is saying that there's something about dwelling in your presence. You have read of this man saying as the deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after you. Have you ever been thirsty enough and imagine what a heart or a deer would be like looking for water in a dry place and it cannot find what it would feel like and he says this is how he felt every day longing to get into the house of the Lord. He says I was glad when he said to me that let's go to the house of the Lord. The scriptures tell us that when the ark of the covenant left Israel, David made this statement. He said I shall not rest until the presence of God returns back to Israel. He could not rest. He could not rest. He could not rest without the presence of God in Israel. In fact, scripture tells us later on when it returns and everything comes, all becomes glory and merry. The moment he builds, the Bible says wealth and builds temples and builds everything. And the Bible says he had peace on all sides. And the sentence comes to the prophet. I'm sleeping in a house of Sedan, and the presence of the Lord dwelleth in Catholics. You see, he has a problem sleeping in a certain house when the presence of God is in Catholics. David would not sleep in a house of Sedan when the presence of God is in Catholics. No wonder when it returns, he's dancing himself and the clothes fall off. Not because he's insane or he doesn't want to be, you know, modest like anybody else. But there is nothing that consumed him like the presence. 
There is nothing that he knew like the presence. There is nothing that he understood. He says, for in the nights when I'm asleep, you instruct my spirit. You speak to my reins. You reveal to me the mysteries, you see, of the kingdom. This was a man who is in close contact and relationship with God. David loved the presence. David loved the presence. But when you read the book of Psalms, you also realize he has a very, very deep vision of God. Deep vision of God. That's what made him different. Do you know how many people go to the presence because of problems? Do you know how many people come here because, oh, you know, ah, they told me he prays for the sick. That's all right, we pray for them. Do you know how many people go to the presence of God because they're tired of living a certain way? And I wish I could make you understand that there's a place you will get in God one day. You will delve and continue digging and dying and getting crucified and allowing him to kill you and break you and bend you. There's a place you will get to and you realize even what you sought was a need is no longer a need. And not because you sought him so he would meet your need, but because you would die so much to the world that nothing living will not agree with you. Do you understand the difference? You've heard of the new age teaching about the law of attraction. You've heard of that. Some of you have watched the movies, read books. But I thought opposites attract, isn't it? Wasn't that the science of magnets? Please help me scientists. Opposites attract, isn't it? So they set the world for men to think that those things are opposed to you. So find a way to attract them. That's a fallen wisdom. If you think about it. Because they're already opposed. Isn't it? They're already opposed. So you're trying to attract what is already opposed to you. Yet, in understanding how God created you, everything from the start was agreeable to man. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that the beasts will make peace with you. The wild animals will make peace with you. They're supposed to be reconciled. It is the ministry of reconciliation. Are you following what I'm saying? Nothing will be set in opposition to you for you to struggle through principle to attract. Every principle you apply yourself will only be to agree with what already agrees with you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Now, if you're still the kind who still says, oh, you know, I have this, I need this, let me go to the presence, you have not yet understood this. God is looking for a person. God is looking for a man in the world who will die to everything the world can give and say, I am available for something bigger, for something higher. Saints, let us fall in love with the presence. Let us just fall in love with the presence of God. I rest tell people that there's nothing that breaks heaven. Like when we are able to sit through two or three hours of a movie comfortably, 
You're just supposed to run to the toilet and back and plate. But you can't even sit in the presence of God for 15 minutes. For 20 minutes. Just locking yourself up. And say, I just want to be with God. And you're not there because you have a problem. No. Certain things are inviting you. You might not have a language or name for them, but they are telling you that I was called for more and this is where I belong. And before you know that, you're in the presence, you're probably playing your worship and just feel your heart breaking. You feel tears are coming. <laughs> you didn't invite them, you probably might be a hard guy, but some things in you start breaking. I understand why David says, my flesh cries out. My heart and my flesh cry out because there's nothing that breaks us like his presence. It breaks us. It, it breaks everything. It frustrates your ego and you're nothing there. But as you continue to break and die and bend and allow him to kill you, in there, he's molding something in your heart. He's building something in your heart. But we have not raised a generation that loves the presence. As we are shifting into the age of neo-Pentecostalism, as you can see in the most developed nations, there are things they no longer teach about. How did the first church begin? Men were in the upper room, tarrying. He told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Spirit is come. And while Passover was a big event to be celebrated, I suspect some of the believers would have preferred to be outside in the party. But there was a group that chose the presence. And that little group up there that started a flame and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon them with utterances from the very Spirit is the very beginning of everything you see here and the many churches and the great signs, miracles and wonders that have moved across the world because a certain group of people chose to love the presence. Stop praying because you have a need and I know the needs are there. Start praying because you're yearning for God. Believe God for a move in your day. Believe God to see more. Dream bigger. Ask God to work a work in you like you have never read or heard or seen. What eye has not seen? The understanding of that mystery. What it really means for God to bat something out of you that eye has never seen, ear has never heard, has never entered the hearts of men, but it comes in the form of revelation because you have learned to tarry. There are people who only can pray when they're in a group. When they get into a room and then because you're in a congregation. But when you're alone, you cannot pray. And I tell people that's the worst form of deception and hypocrisy. Why is it that we can pray when eyes are watching us, but our closets are empty and they're dry? They carry no tears. They have no signs of our knees and our piety before God. How are we going to build the next generation if our people cannot learn to wait on God? I wish I had the opportunity to share, to really share. 
The other part people don't know. The other part people really don't know. My goodness. My goodness. I remember a time in university we could not eat lunch. How would we eat lunch when souls were perishing? We just found ourselves lunch hour. Every meeting that was available, we were there. And you know, they say, like, ah, no, it's the joy of salvation. You're still excited. Don't worry. My goodness, it's many years I'm still excited. <laughs> I'm actually hungrier now than I have ever been before. I'll never forget recently when I was preparing for a sermon and I pleaded with God not to leave. No, I wanted to preach. Don't get me wrong. But have you ever enjoyed the presence of God? Do you know I would rather stay praying than stand before tens of thousands of people? Not that I don't understand my mandatory calling, but there's nothing like it. Because this is where the person dies. And you get this vision of God for who he really is and you understand and start to see things that you have never dreamed of and you come out and you carry no language. But you feel things in you that you might never explain. And it's the sum of those things that we give and we teach and more and more people come drawing. Why? Because they understand. They're connecting. They're taking it. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants to use somebody today. But usually when such summons come out, they're for few. They're for a few. They're for a few. They're for a few. And there are people here listening to me. You know, you know that at one point, something opened to you and you killed it. And then you just started to see war around you. Things started opposing and fighting you. But the real truth is that you closed up something so wonderful at the time when God was about to make you explode. Blood. He was about to light that thing, to spark it. And then you disconnected for some reason. And I'm not here to judge you. But I'm here to tell you that as long as heaven has a need, he will look for men and women who are available. He says, you shall find me if you seek me with all your heart. Are you following what I'm saying? But now even deeper than that, we're looking at a positioning. Create more time in the presence of God. Make it a habit every day of your life. It ain't need to be midnight to one or one to two. Some, some can keep that. But some of you might not be able. And you're comfortable in certain times. Let me tell you, there is no such thing as special hours of prayer. That's nonsense. In the New Testament, you can't justify it. There is no justification of that revelation in the New Testament. Especially when we live in different time zones. Now when you say midnight hour, in which hour? Eastern, standard time, which hour? 
Are you saying midnight in Honolulu? Or midnight in Jerusalem? Are you saying midnight in Los Angeles? Los Angeles, sorry. Los Angeles, I think. Oh, you're saying it's midnight in uh, Kuala Lumpur. No, there's no such thing. God owns time. Otherwise, if you build a doctrine around midnight hour and 3 a.m., you're not different from a man who thinks that Sabbath day is only on Saturday. You can only worship God on Saturday. <laughs> if you don't do it on Saturday, then the rest of the days are not. The Bible says, we which have believed have entered into rest. The word there is Sabbath. We which believe faith is a place that builds our Sabbath, not the day. Because you can't go back from the beginning of the earth and show me a calendar from the beginning of the earth to now. Many of the calendars we're using started just a few years later into civilization, whether Gregorian or otherwise. So by which calendar did you know the real Saturday? Are you following what I'm saying? But create time and just dwell in the presence of God. Be a lover of the presence. For me, there are times I just even just get in there and I have no words and I can just sit there for four hours, five hours. My mom is my witness in the time of consecration. The time she used to call me to eat food and I would not come out to eat. Not because I didn't want to eat. No, there was just something happening. It can make you forget the sweetest pleasure the world can ever give you. Until you connect to that, you're still going to stay ordinary. Yeah, but I see people praying. Well, you don't know what takes them to pray. Some go there because they need a car. Some go there because they are tired of poverty. Some go there because they told them they are going to arrest them on Wednesday. You can only judge the heart as God reveals it, but you cannot judge it in your own understanding. You don't know why everyone goes to the presence. But let me tell you something. If a man just goes to the presence just to be with God, a man spent only 40 days on a mountain, 40, and he came back with a gleaming face, a shining face, was radiant. And it's so funny, he didn't even notice that it was radiating. They had to tell him, hey, your face is shining. And he's the giver of the law. Such a glory. So we know that the presence has a way it can change you. Then you find a born again Christian sitting on a soap opera. Every evening you're faithful. You're buying those season things and you sit on them for 24 hours. You just stand up and you're even shocked. You buy them from third parties, pirated. <laughs> and then you put it in your little TV and then watch. And I'm thinking, if you can watch TV the whole day, have you ever spent the whole day just in the presence? Just the whole day. Six hours, seven hours, eight hours in the presence. Let me tell you, if you learn that, if you learn that, it's only a matter of time. God will pick you. Let me tell you, he will assign you. 
Because in there, you'll understand the revelation. It's in there that you get the true vision of the Father. And connect to him in ways like no man can define him for you. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. Open your mouth and start to speak to God. You take me, you mold me, you use me, you feel me, cause I gave my life to the potter's hand You call You guide me You lead me Walk beside me Cause I can I life the porter's head. Talk to God. You know me. You Take this moment and talk to God. You call me, you guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me, cause I can't alive to.
take me, Lord. Prayer. 
is to ask you to cause us to fall in love with your presence. Raise a generation that have no place they would rather be. Not, not because it's sung in a song or because it sounds right and true, but because we understand the weight of its convictions. Heaven is looking for men and women in a time when the world goes diverse, it disintegrates and is delusioned by the way of darkness. I feel in my spirit that in our day and time, there are people that God will use to usher the next move of the spirit in the world. I pray that you give a man or woman here today a vision of you. A vision of you like they have never imagined before. A vision of you that is going to change their outlook, their perception about life, their understanding concerning the sacred things. A vision of you that is going to position them to hear for the next mandate in the earth. There are people here who lost something. I pray that may you by your grace grant them another opportunity to pick it again. Because that's what grace can do. May somebody find their part tonight. May somebody have a vision of you to propel them beyond any language that would seek to explain who you are. As Paul says, that I know the man was taken to the third dimension of the spirit and he saw things which were not lawful to utter. The Amplified says things the human language had no power to put into words. Among us I know are chosen men, chosen vessels, not because it's said, but because it is so. Amplify them, O oh God. Resuscitate, O oh God. Rejuvenate, O oh God. Redeem their visions. But something that we have never seen before in Africa, that we've never seen before in Europe, that we have never seen before in Asia, that we have never seen before in North or South America, that we've never seen in the islands and the byways, the highways, that we've never seen on the seas. Launch us deep into a relationship with you that connects us to everything 
and is agreeable to all things to the glory of your name and expansion of your kingdom receive it somebody receive it 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 God can do it again God can do it again God can awaken it God can stir it God can resuscitate it God can revive it God can put it to the next level I feel in my spirit that with some of us here today there are promotions coming God is elevating you to the next level power of the Holy Ghost Give the Lord a man of praise. If you are here and you've never given your life to Christ, you say today I want to be born again. Say Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins were raised for my glory. Tonight I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.